Hi. Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast, getting you set for the Banjo Bowl with Bob Irving as well. As a great interview Bob did with Rashid Bailey, who's waited a long time to get his first career pro football start, and he's going to get it against Saskatchewan in the Banjo Bowl. Also, Bianca Andreescu goes for the U.S. Open title. My gosh, it's incredible. So Mark Arndt from Tennis Manitoba will join me to talk about her incredible rise. It continues to baffle everybody, but man, is it impressive. That's on the podcast. The marquee event of the weekend is the Banjo Bowl, and we're joined on the line by the man who will be calling it here on 680 CGOB, Mr. Bob Irving. Bob, how are you feeling about this Banjo Bowl from the Bombers' point of view? Is it a chance really to avenge that loss, or just, can they really learn much from the loss on Saturday, Sunday against Saskatchewan in Regina? Well, the first thing they would learn, Christian, to me, is don't let Fajardo beat you with that spin move again when you when you've got good pressure with a blitz, because he did that about three or four times. And I think that played a big role in the game. And I know the Bombers have worked hard on that this week. Now, I'm excited about it. I always am. I think the Banjo Bowl is a, it, it's probably the, the biggest game of the year here for the fans. It draws the biggest crowd. Uh, and this one has more at stake than <clears throat> any other that I can recall. The Bombers 8-3, and three, Sask 7-3. and three, So they're battling for first place in the West Division. The Bombers are out for redemption if i can use that word and uh, the riders would like to sweep these back-to-back games and that's not uh, unusual for them they've done it a number of times Uh, surprisingly they've done it seven times in the 15 Mm. years they've played back-to-back well in what's called the banjo bowl the bombers have only done it twice so uh, Mm. i guess history if you put any stock in that would would favor the riders but no it shapes up as a a great matchup and probably as compelling a banjo bowl as I can recall. Absolutely, especially with the the idea that Winnipeg, if they want to ever make the Great Cup, they probably have to host the West Final. Mm-hmm. And if they want to do that, winning tomorrow would definitely be a huge part of that. Now, do you feel like Chris Trevler is getting more and more comfortable with every passing game? I do. I think he really grew last week in Regina, Christian. I mean, we all know he threw for 89 yards in the game in Edmonton the week before. Uh, Last year, he was up to 161, which is still a modest number. But when you run the ball as much as the Bombers do, you're not going to pass for 300 yards. But I thought he looked more comfortable in the pocket. Uh, One of the things he said that really impressed me after the game, and he said it again this week, is he's got a He's got to stand in there a little longer. He's got to be a little more patient before he pulls the ball down and takes off with it. And I think that's a great sign for a young quarterback, a young quarterback that can acknowledge that and say, you know, I've got to, if I'm going to become a passer, quote unquote, uh, the one thing I have to do is, is go through my reads in a proper way. So, yeah, I think he's improving and growing. Having said that, uh, he'll always be a great threat to run the ball, and whoever is designing the offense, in this case Paul Lapolice and Buck Pierce, you better take advantage of that, and you can rest assured that they will tomorrow. <laughs> now the receiving crew loses at least one weapon. Lucky Whitehead is out. Nick Dembski, questionable to play. I know he's on the active roster, but we're speculating that he might not play either. So those are two guys that maybe aren't the deep threats. They're guys that they're used in the short passing game, the run game as well. Who else can fit into that kind of gadget receiver role? 
Well, the loss of Whitehead, I think, is – and Dembski, if he doesn't play too, and it, it would seem doubtful that he's going to play. Those are two important guys. You know, they both have great speed, and that's one thing that you always hate to lose out of your offensive arsenal. You know, Dembski comes up with big plays, and Whitehead has made, you know, a number of big plays this year. So th- those are big losses. Now, Rashid Bailey's going to step in for Whitehead, and uh, – I, I, are you going to run the interview with him tonight? Yeah, I'm going to so, play it right after we're done here. Okay. Well, it's great. Yeah, he's uh, so emotional because his history. Just to give you a quick backstory, uh, he played at Delaware Valley College, which is a Division three, and he's been with about seven or eight NFL teams, and he gets cut by everybody. He's never had a chance to play. This will be the first start of his career since he graduated college four or five years ago, and he is just over the moon, excited about it and emotional. The Bombers have liked him right from uh, their mini camp in Florida. He was down there, and they were impressed with him. He came up to rookie camp, and uh, he was on the roster for one game this year as a designated import. I can't recall. I don't think he got on the field very much, but this is his first start. He's got good speed. And uh, he thinks he can, you know, make some sort of an impression tomorrow. So that's going to be interesting to see. The uh, uh, Peterman would replace, Daniel Peterman would replace Nick Dembski if he can't play. And, you know, what we've seen of Peterman, and he's a very reliable receiver. He'll catch the ball for sure. That's the one thing he'll do. He'll catch the ball and get open and catch it. He doesn't have the speed that Dembski has. So he'll have an unproven Bailey. And uh, Peterman, I think, is proven, but who hasn't played very much replacing two really stalwarts in the bomber offensive attack. It's, uh, you know, when you factor in Nichols and Harris out as well, uh, yeah, they're going a little bit undermanned here, aren't they? Absolutely. And we saw last week what we saw most weeks is that their defense is what kept, keeps them in games. It's what wins them games. Yeah. I know the last drive, they didn't do their job, but ultimately in that game, they're the reason that game was close in the end anyway, keeping Saskatchewan off the field. Is there any benefit from a defense? Who benefits more, the Winnipeg defense or the Saskatchewan offense with this being the second time they meet in a week? Well, I think the Winnipeg defense benefits, and and I'll tell you why, because of the crowd noise tomorrow. Uh, We talked to Cordy Fajardo today about that when the Riders got here late this afternoon. He's never played quarterback. I mean, he's been with teams who've played in, in Winnipeg, but he was never the starting quarterback. He was a short yardage guy, and he's never played in this game, which is the loudest game of the year. So, you know, they uh, worked with piped-in sound in Regina all week, but until you've experienced it, and he's a quarterback with very little experience, it's just a different world entirely. So I think, I mean, it would make sense that he's going to have some problems with that, having never gone through it before. It's different if it's Bo Levi Mitchell, you know, or Mike Riley battling the noise, but a young quarterback who's never experienced it. And then the Bomber defense, I think, uh, well, I know they're really ramped up for this game because they feel that they let the team down last week. Uh, they let Saskatchewan drive the ball 87 yards and score the winning touchdown. And that's all they've talked about this week. You know, the players on defense are, are out to prove a point tomorrow. So, you know, I think they've got the advantage for those two reasons. Winning field goal, just to correct you there on the the way the game ended there. But yeah, did I say touchdown? You did. That's okay. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. Field goal. Yeah, I do that. Brett Lowther, <laughs> twenty-six yarder. I called it. <laughs> you did. You were there. I was there. Yeah. <laughs> now I love the the crowd noise on that, though. I know Bombers fans did not like the crowd noise on that. The special teams game 
we we saw so many returns through nine weeks of the season. There were 18 return touchdowns in the CFL. There has not been one since. Right. Why do you think that is? Well, I, I think it's just sort of one of those things. There were probably more than there should have been. Uh, and I don't know if the word cyclical ap- applies to that, Christian. I don't think... You know, teams with their coverage units, there's not a lot you can do different. You know, you, you have your kicker kick the ball. Now you maybe want them to place it in a different spot and don't kick it to the middle of the field quite as often. So, yeah, I'm sure there's some of that going on, but I, I think it's just one of those things. Now I expect we'll see more kick return touchdowns, but there there has been an awareness of it throughout the league and, and more focus put on, on preventing it for sure, uh, you know, and Janarian Grant, who was so spectacular in that first game. Now, they've kicked the ball away from him to a large degree. He hasn't had a lot of chances to return the ball. That's another thing that happens. You try to keep it away from some of these guys who are, who are dangerous. So, I don't know. I, I don't think you know there's any deep, dark mystery to it. I just think these things sort of go in cycles. Now, when you said sack your bats on Twitter yesterday, is that just a baseball point of phrase? <laughs> yeah. I was surprised at the response that people hadn't heard that phrase. I guess I'm dating myself when I say, when I say that. That means you you know you're packing it in basically. Okay. I, so, but I was I was just kidding around. I, I do a lot of kidding around on Twitter. I know. I just because I I, I figured that's what it meant. I just decided to Google it, and yeah. the first thing it it autocorrected is something that I probably shouldn't say on the air, and then. It's uh, and then I just couldn't find anything, so I thought that was funny. And also, are you gonna spoil the U.S. Open match during the broadcast while I'm on the sideline tomorrow? Are you gonna mention no. the score? No, as a, well, I don't think I should. You know, I know there are people who are greatly interested and understandably. Um, what do you think? Do you think I should I should blurt it out there? Well, as someone that's taping the game and hoping to not hear about the score, I have a selfish interest in saying that you shouldn't blurt yeah. it out. Well, what if I say spoiler alert, and then you could go silent for about 10 seconds? Thank I don't know. <laughs> so this is one of these things where I think as a, uh, an immediate uh, medium, as radio is, mm-hmm. uh, there will be people who want to know. Right. Uh, so why wouldn't we tell them? Right. right? Uh, rather than... Rather than delay it, that's not what we do in radio. So now that I think about it, Christian, you brought it up. I hadn't thought about it. Oh, crap. Now that I'm thinking about it, I think I'm going to have to use the score. Sorry. <sighs> well, just give me a heads up, okay? Yeah, okay, I will. All right, Bob. I'll have our producer tell you, Christian, the score is coming up. Take your headphones off. Perfect. All right, Bob, I appreciate it. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Okay, Christian. The number of receivers' injuries the Bombers have turned to Rasheed Bailey, slated to get his first career pro football start in the Banjo Bowl. He talked to our Bob Irving, and safe to say, it's going to be an emotional day for Rasheed. Well, you're uh, going to get a chance. You've been waiting patiently, I assume. I'm a little emotional. I've waited so long for this. It's been like four years now. This is my fifth year being a pro to get my first start. It literally means everything to me. Like, every last one of those guys in there knows how hard I've been working. They know my passion, they know my drive. And God has put me in this position and I'm I'm ready. Did you ever get impatient? Think your chance would never come? I've been through every emotion. It's a famous Nipsey Hussle quote. I've been through everything. 
And to be standing here in this position, I'm nothing but ready. Like there's no, there's no doubt. And you, you, you see all the questions, you hear all the buzz around, you know, our team, we ready, we're coming. And they don't know about this guy. But tomorrow we all go and find out what 88 is about. What are we, what are we gonna find out? How much of a team guy I am. I don't know if you guys pay attention, but even when I'm not playing, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a cheerleader, I'm, I'm everything. And uh, for me to go out there and put it all out there and display for me to play, I couldn't be more excited. Philly, Jacksonville, San Diego, Pan I mean, everywhere. Like this means, like this morning, I woke up this morning, I text my coach and he's the first person I let know that I'm gonna be playing tomorrow. And after I text him, man, I just felt all the emotions come to me and I, I shed a few tears because that's how much this game means to me. And uh, I'm looking forward to tomorrow. Me and him are like super, super tight. And if, if, if it's anybody who I go to, share my emotions with, share my impatience with, share, it's him. And uh, it felt so good to see his response. And all he could say was, yes, yes, yes. And I'm just like, yes, uh, I'm just, Super, super, super excited. Man, these guys mean so much to me. Like the Darbs, the Wallys, the especially, especially number seven. I mean, these are my guys and I'm finally getting the opportunity to go to war with them. <laughs> you know, it's just a great feeling because this team, you know, it, it means a lot to me. Like it's not just, all right, you know, this is just a, another day at the office. No, this is, this is, this is everything. Couldn't pick a better game. This place will be packed, you know, about the rivalry, I guess. It's going to be interesting. Uh, I'm so ready for this moment. I'm not even, I don't even, I'm not saying I don't care about that, but I just care about my teammates and that camaraderie. Like, you know, when we score a touchdown, can we all celebrate together? Like, I want, I've spent 12 weeks watching and hoping I can be in that position. And I live with Lucky, so we, 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 we talk a lot. We, we talk about those emotions. We talk about the joys, and tomorrow I get to feel that. And we welcome in Mark Arndt of Tennis Manitoba. How are you doing tonight, Mark? I'm doing well, Christian. How are you today? Doing great. Now, last night, how many times did your heart skip a beat watching that incredible semifinal between Bianca Andreescu and Belinda Bencic? Man, it was crazy. I'll tell you, there's times I was just so upset because it's like, oh, man, you've got such a great opportunity and you're letting it slide. But then the tougher the situation gets, it seems the, uh, the tougher she gets. She finds another gear and she makes it happen. I'm not, I don't know how she does it. I just don't know. I haven't seen that in a long time. The resilience she has, you're right. It seems like, oh, she's getting tired or she's losing her edge. And then all of a sudden she wins five straight games to win the match. Funny, like I chuckle right now, but at the time it's, uh, man, why are you doing this to all your fans and to all of Canada? But it's, uh, in hindsight, it's it's entertaining. But that's pretty much any match with her, isn't it? Uh, she just get there's some dips and then there's just some surges, and she's lost four times this year, and two of those were because of injury. Yeah, and that's exactly it. You don't know who, what to expect. I mean, uh, yeah, she's going through, I guess, the growing pains of being on tour for uh, for a full year now, and. Uh, it's tough, but she's navigating very well, and uh, again, it's entertaining to watch her, let's put it that way. So let's just travel back in time to last summer when she was here. She was the number one seed at the ITF event, 
in Winnipeg. She lost the first match. She had to re- retire in the third set because of a back injury. Uh, but she technically lost to a player who's now ranked in the 657 in the world. And now Bianca might be in the top five if she wins tomorrow. Did you expect this from her a year ago? No, and, and that's what it was. And I'll tell you a quick story. So basically her coach was here a day before she was scheduled to arrive. So he was here on Saturday. She was supposed to come on Sunday, and he pulled us aside, the organizers, and said, listen, she's in the hospital right now back in Montreal. She has some sort of a virus. We don't know what it is. Do you want to hold a spot for her or not or give it to somebody else? And, you know, we just looked at each other. No, we need to have her here. Let's take a chance and see. And uh, so we, we kept the spot open for her. So she arrived on Sunday, and we pushed her back to a Tuesday start time. She she was sick, but she still went out on, on the court. She fought like no tomorrow and that's where I learned a lot about her and and uh, she did lose in three sets but I mean she should not have been playing but that's when you really saw this kid has something and in talking with her I asked her I said like are you ready you know the eyes of the world especially Canada all the girls and are you ready to be a role model are you ready to be you know what's expected of you and she's like yeah whatever she's just like no problem whatever she just took it in stride and so you just see there's something special here about this person. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was cool. And, and, by the way, she took, I think, $238 home for that <laughs> loss. So fast forward to tomorrow where she's probably going to take, if she wins, close to $4 million and uh, $2 million if she loses. So crazy. You can do a head-to-head on the WTA website with yep. uh, Bianca. And Lorraine Guillermo is the name of the American who beat Bianca here in Winnipeg. Yep. Uh, career prize money right now, Bianca has $2.4 million. Guillermo has $21,216. It's comical. It's unreal. It is, it's unbelievable. But, you know, further, if you do a head-to-head with Bianca and Serena, and it's, it's a one nothing head-to-head. That's true. So I think she's probably the only one that holds an advantage. Uh, I don't think anybody has a winning record over Serena. So let's go with that. Yeah, we look back to the Rogers Cup, and most people were left with a, an unsatisfied taste in their mouth. They wanted to see what Bianca could do against the maybe the best tennis player that's ever lived, and she's going to now get that on the grandest of stages in North America at the U.S. Open in front of a very, very pro-Serena crowd. How can Bianca beat Serena? You know, just by being herself, I honestly believe she has the tools to beat her. She has the skill set to do it. If she plays within herself, she, I think, uh, Serena's taken notice. Her uh, her antennas are up. She knows that this is going to be a tough match. And as we've seen before, Serena buckles in these big stages of late, and I'm not sure why something happens. But, uh, you know, uh, the combination of that and, and Bianca being herself, she really has an honest-to-goodness, a good chance of winning that match. And uh, her variety in her game and, and all that is... Uh, is great, and plus, I think that she is embracing the moment. She knows she's she's up against it, and she plays best when when it seems like everyone's against her, and and uh, she comes through on all the clutch points. She comes through in the clutch moments. So, uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm 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 thinking positively, and I I like her chances. One of the things about the young generation of women's players that have come up is we wonder how they'll do when they're first pressed into a big moment like this. And all the evidence that we've seen from Bianca is that she thrives in these big moments. They often go three sets against the ranked players, and sometimes there's some struggles, but every single time she's able to fight through. And she, yeah, she's done that. I mean, she's won basically the fifth major Indian Wells uh, right after the four slams. 
uh, Indian Wells is considered to be the fifth slam. So she did so well there. And um, I heard a stat she hasn't lost since uh, since March. It was her last loss. So think about that going the whole. I know she was injured. She was on the shelf there for a while. But that's a long time since uh, since losing an actual match. So, I mean, she has the confidence. She has everything going for her. And I, I hate the phrase she has nothing to lose because she has everything. She has the U.S. Open to lose. But really, she's playing with house money right now. And just go after it and play. Be yourself and, and go for it. So we've seen now two previous Canadians make a Grand Slam singles final. We saw Eugenie Bouchard in 2014. We saw Milos Raonic in 2016. How can we be sure that Bianca won't be another one and done? Uh, You know, it is different here because she does, as I mentioned earlier, she does have a variety in her game. She doesn't just hit up and down straight hard and and that she she has so much variety. She has the finesse. She has the touches. She has the strength if she needs to. She has the fitness. I mean, uh, she moves strategically. She was living in in her hometown in Toronto in Mississauga, um, and about a year ago, the uh, the Tennis Canada uh, head coaches they basically just said, "Listen, we need to get you away from from your home environment, get you out of your comfort zone." And they sent her off to Montreal to train at the training center there, and uh, just to focus on her fitness because that's what was lacking. And in the year, her fitness has come up, and that's a major difference from seeing her here in. Winnipeg last year to now that you just see the strength in her legs you see the strength also in her mind I mean that 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 mental toughness that she has I mean I I again it's going to be interesting tomorrow now how cool is it that regardless of the result history is going to be made either the first Canadian to win a Grand Slam singles title or Serena Williams wins her 24th matching Margaret Court's number for most all time yeah, either way, it's exciting, and I'm I'm happy. Uh, Bianca was saying that she and her coach, when the draw came out, she's they joked around. Wouldn't it be cool to have a rematch of of uh, Rogers Cup? Let's meaning that they would both be in the final, and they they said, yeah, that'd be so amazing. And here it is. Fast forward two weeks, they're here, and um, and again, you know, to answer the question earlier, like it's not her last time that she's going to be on this stage. She's going to be here for a while because of all these. These elements that I mentioned that she has in her game, and 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 most importantly, between her years, like her mental toughness is 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 there, and that's what I like about her. And and I think she's just wired to to, to be on the tour for a while. She's been uh, she's been doing it since she was ten, eleven years old, and uh, touring you know at the highest level, uh, playing for Team Canada and playing in Europe, playing abroad, and she's come through in all situations. So why not now? I mean, she's proven. I mean, this year I don't think she's lost a match against a top ten opponent. So. Nope. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that bodes well for her going forward. Now, are you going to be able to watch both the tennis match and the banjo bowl? Uh, I, I, I'm trying to figure out what to do here because I, I also have to coach uh, uh, some soccer as well. Oh, and boy. Between kids' birthday parties and stuff like that. Uh, PVR will be going. I'm going to shut off my phone, I guess, and get home and watch the tennis first, I think, and then the banjo bowl afterwards. So Good luck. <laughs> How about yourself? Are you going to be watching both? I think, well, I'm at you? the banjo ball on the sideline reporting for our broadcast, so I got to make sure no one tells me the score while I'm down there. You know, I completely forgot about that. Yeah, I'm so into this, <laughs> to the tennis and figuring out what I have to do. But yes, of course, you're on the sideline, so yeah. Well, we'll we'll uh, we'll suffer in anxiety together, hoping no one spoils it for us. Just don't text me or anything. Yeah, same. All right, have fun, Mark. Good luck. Thank you, Kate. Take care. All right, that is Mark Art. He is the executive director of Tennis Manitoba. Tune in to the CGOB Sports Show weeknights from 7 to 9 with me, Christian O'Mell. Or you can download the podcast on iTunes. It's actually on iTunes now. Wow. If you got an Android, then I think you're out of luck. But Apple products, you're good. So listen to the podcast. Please subscribe. You can rate it. 
What's the worst that could happen?